We're going to start this morning with a bit of interaction. And if you don't like that sort of thing, I do apologise. It won't last long, so the pain will be minimal. Don't apologise. Don't apologise. So I'm going to say something and (laughs) you're going to respond. Uh, I'm going to say rejoice in the Lord and you're going to say, and again I say, rejoice. And feel free to say it with gusto, feeling, uh, even as if you mean it. That would be fantastic. So rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. This morning we're looking at the book of Psalms and the overwhelming teaching of it is that we are to praise the Lord. We are to rejoice in him and in his goodness, to rejoice in his power because God is successful in everything he does and he looks with favour on his people. Uh, This morning we're to leave here with the joy of the Lord with our hearts and our minds lifted with the knowledge of God, confident in him being able to save us and to keep us and to provide for us that we would praise him with everything we have. But before we take a look at these last five Psalms, we just need to get a bit of a feel for what's come earlier in the book of Psalms to understand this conclusion. And so a quick recap on what we saw last week. You remember, hopefully, that we looked at Psalms 1 and 2 and the Psalms opened with this incredible bang the great news of the king of Israel, the Davidic king, the king of David, that God would set up and install, who would rule all the earth and have the ends of the earth as his possession. He would be the one that would execute God's judgment on his enemies, this mighty, wonderful, powerful king of Israel. And yet in the Psalms, in the book, this king suffers at the hands of his enemies. In Old Testament Israel, in their history, none of the kings live up to Psalms 1 and 2, and it all looks like a bit of a failure. And so the book opens right from uh, Psalm 3 with psalms of lament and anguish and sorrow and pain, and you have this king of Israel crying out, How long, O Lord, how long? In the book of Psalms, the Davidic kingship is a bit of a mixed bag. You've got the great promise, the great hope, but in reality, it doesn't look like it. Whereas God's kingship is littered with success. And it's here that the Psalms close with absolute confidence in God's kingship and so the loud praise of his name. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to look briefly at the last five Psalms uh, to see the success of God as king, to see the glory of his power and that everything he does means we should praise his name. Uh, All of the last five psalms, they start and end in exactly the same way. That's why they're sort of grouped together as a conclusion. They start with praise the Lord and they end with praise the Lord. They're the hallelujah psalms, if you like. And in there, there's at least seven different reasons, seven different ways that God is successful, at least seven different reasons why we are to praise his name. And the first is that God is the maker of heaven and earth. Have a look, Psalm 146 and verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. See, these psalms start by saying, praise the Lord. 
Don't waste your time with mortal men. Don't put your trust in princes. They just die and fail. Put your hope in the Lord. Why? Because he is the maker of heaven and earth. The universe as we currently know it. The galaxies. The solar systems. The planets. He fashioned them all. He put them into place. And so we praise his name. It's HSC, it's that time of year. and I don't know whether you've ever seen the uh, artworks of some of the, the major works of some of the art students, and they really are quite impressive. I mean, they're just 17 and 18 years old, but the works that they come up with are amazing. Uh, one year, uh, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to put uh, the best of the best in some of the stores down in the CBD of Sydney, and you could go and look at all these major works, and they were, they were really quite astonishing, spectacular, and you would easily just praise these students for their incredible creativity and skill and you and I look out on a universe and God made it and we praise his name. Not only is God the maker of everything, the second reason that his people praise him is that he cares for his people. So have a look, verse 7, 146 verse 7. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. You see, God protects his people. He protects the vulnerable. He cares for them. He watches over them. He looks after them. And so he's praised. The third reason that God is praised is because even though he rules over absolutely all things, he particularly is the king of his people. They've got his particular care. So have a look. And uh, verse 10. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. He reigns over all things, but Old Testament Israel could call him their God. They had the privilege and the honour of being the people of the one true living God. He was their king. They could call him their God. God's success as king has continued to be celebrated in Psalm 147. And here we find the fourth reason to praise God. And the reason why is because he gathers his people. He saves them. He rescues them from their enemies. Psalm 147 and verse 1. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. See, Old Testament Israel, they were to praise God because He gathered them from exile. He saved them. If you can remember, uh, Old Testament Israel often being beaten up by people, other nations. Sometimes it got so bad that they were taken off into exile, ripped out of the land, taken away, ripped away from their God. But God looked down on them with care and gathered them back to himself and brought them back into his land and he rescued them from their oppressors. When people are rescued from disaster, it's... um, if you like the Beaconsfield miners, remember those, those guys a couple of years ago down, uh, trapped in that mine in Tasmania? When you're rescued, they often speak volumes of the people that saved them. Uh, it's very easy, isn't it? Because it's a wonderful thing to be rescued. And, and so they spoke volumes of the people that risked their all to come down that mine and, and save them. 
And it's easy to do that because it's a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing to be rescued. I can remember the time when I was in the surf, I got rescued by uh, the surf lifeguards. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing to be saved. And you talk to me about surf lifeguards, I'll tell you how good they are. It's easy to praise because it's great to be saved. And God's salvation is so much more than from a natural disaster being rescued from the surf. His salvation is incredible. And so we praise him. Psalm 147 keeps going and it it has ideas that we've already seen, that God is the creator, he protects his people, he blesses them. But in verse 15 to 20, we're given another reason why God is to be praised, the fifth reason, and that is because he gives his people his word so that they can truly know him. I will pick it up at verse 19, Psalm 147, verse 19. He has revealed his word to Jacob his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. In the Old Testament, only Israel was given the word of God. Only they knew God. Only they knew his ways. None of the other nations had been given God's word. They were left to grope around in the dark, clutching at straws. But Israel, God had revealed himself to them. They knew his mind. They knew his ways. They knew the true God. And so he's to be praised. They knew him. Psalm 148, it continues. Uh, It begins on the impressive note again of God being the creator of all things. And so all things are to praise him. Angels, the sun, the moon, kings, noblemen, uh, poor people, maidens. Everybody is to praise him. And the reason is because... He alone is God. So have a look, 148, Psalm 148, verse 13. After uh, saying that all the kings of the earth and the nations, the princes, the young men, the maidens, the old men, they're all to praise him. Ready, verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. God is to be praised because he alone is God. His name alone is exalted above the heavens. All else about worthless idols. Only God is God, and so he is to be praised. And in Psalm 149, we're given the seventh reason to praise him. And it's that his people are to delight in God because, strangely, God delights in them. 149 and verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. See, the honor of being one of God's people one of the honour of the honour of being the people of the maker of heaven and earth is that he delights in them. And they rejoice in this. And of course, can you try and fit that in your mind? That the one who made the universe delights in you. That's incredible. Like a bridegroom over his bride. Or a dad over his kids. God delights in his people. 
Take a step back. What have we seen so far? Seven reasons to praise God. He's the maker and creator of all things. He cares for his people. He's the king of all, but especially the king of his people. He gathers and he saves his people. He gives his word to his people. He alone is the Lord and God, and he delights in his people. And the remarkable thing is that as we come to think about these things in the light of Jesus, it just gets better. Uh, We're told that the whole Old Testament is all about Jesus. And so as we've seen that God is the creator and the maker of heaven and earth, we read in John and in Colossians that Jesus is the one who made heaven and earth. And not just that he made it, but he made it for himself. He's the creator. And so he is praised. We've also seen that God cares for his people. And in Matthew... Christ's last words to his disciples before he returns to his father are that he would not leave them alone. He would be with them to the very end of the age and even lives within them by his Holy Spirit. The Psalms also teach us that God is king and king especially over his people. And we read in Ephesians that God has placed all things under Christ's feet. He is the head over absolutely everything, ready, for the church. He's been installed as the mighty king over all creation for our sakes, orchestrating all human history for the benefit of his people. And so we praise him. And God saved Old Testament Israel, sure, from exile, from political tyranny, but in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have been rescued from sin and death and judgment and hell, saved from all of it. God spoke to the Israelites in many ways, but we're told at the beginning of Hebrews that all those ways are inferior to God's final word, what he speaks to us in his son, the Lord Jesus, God's final and full word, the word of God himself become flesh, as John tells us. And to cap it all off, if your trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, well then God has chosen you to be someone he delights in. As we read in Romans, that God didn't even spare his son for you. And so if the Israelites could praise God, well, how much more can we for all that God is and all that God has done for us in the Lord Jesus? It usually happens uh, sometime after you've left home, you finally pause and reflect on all that your parents have done for you. It didn't occur to you before then, but from day one, they have fed you, they've washed you, they've taught you, they've provided food and clothes for you, they've supported you through good times and bad, they've expended incredible amounts of money to provide for you, Uh, they've spent time with you, they've put up with you. And uh, if your parents are still alive, they're probably still doing these things for you, although I sincerely hope they're not still washing you. And if you had or have even half-decent parents, you can't help but be grateful, can you, for all that they've done and for all the wonderful things they've done for you. And if anyone asks you about them, well, you're quick to praise them for who they are and what they've done for you. And as impressive as our mums and dads can be, they are not a patch on God. He created us. He has eternally saved us. 
He delights in us over and above everything else he ever made. The God who is alone in glory and majesty persists with us and delights in us and cares for us. The Lord who loves us on a cosmic scale. And so we praise him and we praise him and we praise him. It's right throughout Psalms 146 to 149, but in Psalm 150, it's the only thing that's said. The kingship of God, his rule and might, it's filled with so much success. He achieves all things for the good of his people and so praise the Lord with anything and everything. Grab something, praise him with it. If you've got breath, praise the Lord. Have a look, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, we've spoken a lot about praising the Lord so far, but we haven't actually said what it is. To praise the Lord, to praise someone, sorry, is just to make positive statements about them. You can do it in private, you can do it in public, but to praise someone is simply to make positive statements about them. And the book of Psalms closed by calling on us to see if we can't make a positive statement about God. And I'm hoping that you're sitting there bursting at the seams. I'm hoping that you're shocked that I would suggest that we would make a positive statement about God. One statement, where do I start? Show me someone who will listen. I'll tell them how great God is. And if no one will listen, please leave me alone and I'll tell God direct how great he is. He's so worthy of praise. And so Psalm 150 says, if you've got breath, praise the Lord. So as you wake up each morning, praise the Lord. He watched over you and cared for you as you slept to bring you to a new day. As you walk around your garden or about town and your senses are inundated with the springtime flowers, with their smells and their colours, tell God what you think of his handiwork. As you open up the word of God, praise him that he speaks to you and he lets you know who he is. And he doesn't leave you groping around in the dark. Praise him that he's revealed his ways to you, that you can live rightly before him, trusting in him and serving him. As you consider the salvation of God, praise him that he would plumb the depths of your disgrace. He would take upon himself your sins, your punishment on that cross. As you consider the death of the Lord Jesus for your sake, Praise him that he saves his people and he delights in them. As you recall that there is only one true God and that he alone is exalted above all, that he alone can save anyone from death and judgment, praise God to your friends and to your family. Don't let them trash God in front of you. Weep at their ignoring of him and let them know how great he is. Praise God because he's the king. And he's our king. As we get to the end of the book of Psalms, the confidence in God as king is overwhelming. He succeeds in everything he does. He reigns for the sake of his people. And so the praise of God is everywhere. This is how the book of Psalms conclude. 
And it's actually a little bit surprising. Remember last week? The Psalms crack open with a blazing introduction about God's anointed king, the king of David. And sure, as you read the book of Psalms, you know, the Davidic king, he has some troubles. But don't you think it's a bit strange that come the end of the book, the great king of Israel is basically not even there. There's just one vague reference to him in Psalm 148. It's a little bit like watching a movie, uh, pick Indiana Jones. At the start of the movie, you're, you're introduced to the hero, you, you know, you, you meet Indiana Jones, and all through the movie, he faces tri- uh, trials and enemies and difficulty, but at the end of the movie, he triumphs. But what if at the end of the movie, the hero that you've been following and cheering, what if at the end of the movie, all of a sudden, he wasn't there, and it ended without him? The movie finishes, and it's just a bit weird. Where's the hero? Well, that's a bit like what we've got here in the book of Psalms. It starts off by introducing us to the hero, Psalms 1 and 2, and you've got God's anointed king, this king of David, and through the book he faces all manner of enemies and difficulties. But in the end, well, we don't know what happened in the end. Does he triumph? Where'd he go? In the book of Psalms, God, David's kingship starts off well. It's got great promises behind it. But in Psalms, David's kingship fails to live up to expectations. And so as the book of Psalms closes, there's this tension between the two kingships. The kingship of David with failure and lament and yet the promise of God. And then there's the kingship of God with success and praise. And we know that he's king and we know that he's totally reliable and powerful. But what of the Davidic king, the one that God himself promised? Where is he? Who is he? Will he succeed? And of course, as we saw last week, Jesus of Nazareth is this great king of David. And in him, the tension of the book of Psalms is relieved. Because in Jesus, God's kingship and David's kingship become the same thing. Jesus is both David's son and God's son, the divine Davidic king. In the Lord Jesus, the kingship of David is its no longer associated with lament and anguish or failure, but with success and praise, even the success and praise of God himself. And so in Jesus, Psalm 2 is realized, and God and his king rule over all and are praised by all. So turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5. bit of context for you as you turn it up. In chapter 4, John's given a vision of the throne room of God in heaven. And in majesty, God is perpetually praised and honoured and worshipped. And then John sees a scroll in God's right hand. But tragically, no one's able to open the scroll. But then someone tells John that the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the Messiah, the Christ, God's anointed king, the Lord Jesus, he is able to open the scroll. And then Jesus takes the scroll and everything breaks loose. Verse 11 of chapter 5, and try and picture the scene. It's strange, it's majestic. Try and picture it in your mind. Verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. Picture it. Every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. What is it that brings every creature in heaven and on earth to their knees to sing the praise but the presence of the Lamb with God upon his throne? The Lord Jesus Christ, slain for his people, risen from the dead in glory and honour. He receives the praise of all creation. As you and I go on holidays, uh, be it in Australia or overseas, there are amazing things we can look at. You can go and look at the Grand Canyon, the Eiffel Tower, Ayers Rock, a whole bunch of things, and they really are magnificent examples of God's handiwork and the creativity he's given to humanity as well. But nothing, nothing compares to opening your Bible and gazing at the crucified Lord Jesus and glimpsing something of him risen from the dead and capturing something of his glory. This will one day bring all creation to its knees to sing, Worthy is the Lamb. And what we read and believe and know one day we'll see face to face. We'll behold the risen Lord Jesus Christ and the Father upon his throne and our eyes will scarcely take it in. Our legs will tremble. Our mouths will gape wide in wonder. Our hearts will be pounding and bursting. Our minds will be exploding, trying to keep it all in. We'll see the crucified lamb risen from the dead for our sakes. And we will sing, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So brothers and sisters, wherever you go, whatever you do, whoever you're with, Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead for our sakes. Thank you that he's seated at your right hand in glory and power and honour and majesty. Father, help us this day and every day to live to praise him our mighty King, and you, our wonderful Father, filled with your Holy Spirit, to praise you. Father, you are worthy. And we ask that you give us eyes to see, hearts that believe, that we might praise you, our Lord and God and King and Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.